Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 349, and wow, Mike, it feels weird saying this in November, but uh, happy Masters Week. That's right. I know. Weird. It really is. It really is. They say 81 weeks since it concluded, the last one. Yeah, and it's going to be so weird to see two masters played in the same calendar year this year but hey weird but cool yeah it is you know we got one what six months later right (laughs) it's great every six months let's have a masters (laughs) i think even a crazier statistic is that the two the two majors in a row the consecutive majors are both masters i know it's pretty pretty cool it is wild and it's probably gonna be completely differently played augusta yeah it is. And have we seen, you know, as of recording this, it's still a week or two out from the Masters, but when this this episode drops, it's going to be on Masters Sunday. Um, and leading up to it, we've seen some pictures of people have been taking of uh, Augusta in the fall, and there's a different look to it. Uh, so Different vibe, different chill in the air. Right. I mean, look, with everything going on, I just think, again, it's just a fortunate scenario just that we're getting to have the Masters at all. It's sad that it's been delayed. It's sad there's been so many can- cancellations, but uh, definitely happy to see that we're going to be seeing some golf at Augusta again. Um, and speaking of which, uh, hopefully be traveling again soon. I know. So there's some good news about the travel ban. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, New York, uh, New York and New Jersey, which is where we're based out of, we've been dealing with this uh, travel restriction, which requires a very long quarantine. And with such a busy summer, we haven't been able to afford to do that. Right. So a lot of our travel has been canceled, which, you know, in a way, it's caused us, you know, to think outside the box. And we did a lot more local stuff rather than our usual travel. But just found out recently that they are kind of easing up on that, uh, which is great as there's more testing. We may be able to travel so long as we still take the precautions of getting tested. So we're looking into January, February, something like that, getting back out on the road and hopefully showcasing some other courses Somewhere for you with guys. sunshine. Yeah, right? that's the hope. That's and, what we're looking for. But, but one thing I will say is the usual, talk about again, usuals being you know, abnormal things. Uh, the PGA show this year, unfortunately, has been, the at least the in-person version, has been canceled. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, it's going to be virtual only. So that is something we've done every year for the past, I don't know, countless years now. Uh, but we won't be in Florida for that. Uh, just another thing that went the way of, of COVID. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I, I like p- the old pivot to yeah. go play some golf in some warm weather. And, and uh, we'll circle back down to the show in 22. Yeah. And and look for still, there'll still be a lot of exciting um, equipment announcements. This year, They we're still figuring out the details, but it is going to be a virtual show. So a lot of the major equipment manufacturers are going to be still making their big announcements, showcasing new products. Uh, but that's going to be all in a virtual space. But one thing I will say, this will be the first full winter where we have our new you know studio here at HQ. So our our goal is to do a lot more product reviews and product features, uh, which you'll see on Golficity as well as on the video channels, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and we'll talk about them here on the podcast. But as those new um, different training aids, equipment, whatever it is, as it rolls out, as we get our hands on them, we'll be sure to, to report to you guys and let you know uh, what we think of those. Yeah. And I want to grab something. So oh, what do you got a little surprise? Because, you know, you just reminded me and I have it right here. Hold on, guys. Okay. Okay. He's let Mike has left the booth. Mike, what does he got here? Hold on. 
because we're about to talk about it. So yes, and if you're if you are watching the podcast on YouTube or Facebook, you can see what Mike's got in his hands because they they dropped. They just dropped a couple days ago, November twelfth. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm 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 talking in the future. Yeah. But uh, by the time you hear this, these things are out here. So I want to put it here. The so we brand can show new you. Titleist TSI. We'll get and to it. we actually just announced our winner of our Titleist TSI giveaway. So. um Still more giveaways to come. Uh, we are, we're working on the year isn't over yet. We're going to be making sure to do a couple more really fun giveaways before the year is out. A couple shot scope units, things like that. Uh, so exciting stuff coming up for sure. But the uh, the TSI has been great. We've had it out there just for a few rounds and couldn't be happy. I called it a it. rocket ship. <laughs> right. Yes, you that, did that call it a rocket ship. <laughs> that was ridiculous. But hey, 349 episodes. I don't think I've ever left the booth during the show. No, that might be a first time lead. I, I came back. That's a first time lead. I came back. So we're going to do our Twitter tap in a second, but this is a perfect segue because, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, Titleist. Uh, the TSI drivers represent the best in Titleist peerless pursuit of speed they continue to invest in the minds materials and technology it takes to push the boundaries of speed while sacrificing nothing when it comes to performance guys if you got the chance to witness our recent fitting i said i was skeptical that that anything could perform better than my ts2 driver and i said it's going to have to really perform to beat it and i was shocked because i had still all the forgiveness i have now i have not fit into the ts uh tsi2 uh still all the forgiveness of the ts driver but got more ball speed out of it. And a big part of it is thanks to this new face. It's the first time they've used this material in the face. It is a special type of material manufactured in Pittsburgh. You can check out all the information on Titleist website, but this has been a, a true game changer, both you and I, out of the same swing speed. Because when we do our, our fittings, we like to compare head-to-head, apples-to-apples. Same shaft, same everything else, just the different head and both of us got more ball speed out of it Uh, of course then we went next step and dialed that in with the shafts and that's where we start to see the dispersion come in i went went with the tensai blue yeah uh, and you ended up with is that the hazardous smoke hazardous smoke the featured shaft and i even went down 16 grams back down to 60 yeah so 76 to 60 bumblebee has been retired uh, but hey, the way I'm hitting this, I could care less. Yeah, it's a great club. And the TSI series, it's more than an extension you know, of the franchise, the CS franchise. It is a big breakthrough. It's an investment in your game. It'll play dividends for years to come. So visit Titleist.com to learn more about the TSI drivers. And guys, if you get the opportunity to hit it, hit it. It, it will surprise you as much as it surprised us. And a great way to do that is at those Titleist Thursday events because they are free. Um, all right, let's draw, dive into this week's Twitter tap-in. And we say this every week, but if you're not already following us on golf, on Twitter, make sure you follow us at Golficity. We're going to post our Twitter tap-in every Monday, and then we talk about uh, your answers here on the show, highlight a few of them, and also we uh, will talk about our own input. Uh, our own answers to these questions. So this week we asked, what is the coldest round of golf you've ever played? And pictures are welcome, we said. And this couldn't be more timely, Mike, because it has gotten, and I, I hear it's supposed to warm back up here. Yeah, we got New a York, solid week of 60s, New Jersey, mid-60s. Right, yep. coming. But man, did we have cold. We had snow. We had an inch of snow on the ground. So it just tells you when you get those couple of teasers that it's coming, winter's coming. But if you guys have followed us for any length of time, you know we keep playing. We keep playing until the snow coats the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about layering up and staying warm out there, but we don't mind playing in the cold. We'll nope. get out there and do it. Um, so what do you think was the coldest round we've ever played? I, I don't I don't know if it was um, Black Bear, mm-hmm. where I think it was 36 at tee-off or 32. We it definitely, was frost. We definitely had a frost delay. We waited to play. Yeah, the ground that. was white with yeah. frost, so we had to wait. 
Um, it was either that or the one at Pakenak. Remember those nine holes at Pakenak? Oh, yeah. How can you forget that? It was freezing. That it was, was just cold. a wind chill. It was and so windy. Wait, don't forget Bally Owen. Last November. Oh. It was bitingly the, cold, yeah. too. And it was That's a little right. wet out there. Do you remember wet. that? Yep, yep. So yep. every one of those videos you can see on our, They're all there. our YouTube channel. And and we were cold, but uh, I don't think we've ever played any of these these low sub-20s that I'm seeing here. No, let's see some yeah. of these. First, uh, Eric Benzenberg, and I, I saw this on his story the other day. Eric, he <laughs> he's just a trooper, man. He gets out there to play Beth Page Black, and he's the guy who will wait there in the parking lot. He said, got up at 4 a.m. to be the first uh, on Beth Page Black Saturday, sat in the car 20 degrees cold until 6.30 a.m., eighth in line, but the frost delay. He ended up waiting until 10.40 to play. So he's already waiting six hours Jesus. to play. 40 degrees with wind, 12-hour day at Beth Page Black worth, when it was all said and done. Worth he said every, worth every second. second. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's a lot of effort, man. There are just for... there are just some courses that are that special. They uh, they're just yeah. that special, and they will have you. You'll be willing to do that. Um, let's see here. Jeff... Are you a, are you a parking lot waiter guy? No, no, you're not. If I was a single guy yeah. without a wife <laughs> and kids at home, I would have no problem waiting okay. at the parking lot. All right. All right. But uh, trying to sell my wife on the idea that I'm going to be gone for golf playing 12 hours, you know how that will go. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. You know, we, we, we steal out there for four hours. If it comes a five-hour round, we're like, oh, here we go. Not even the best salesperson could sell that. No. Uh, Jeff M. said, many years ago, high school team tryouts near freezing. All, near freezing, all the ponds were frozen. It snowed heavily during the round. Wow. You get those frozen ponds, yeah. though. Sometimes it'll work in your favor. You yeah. hit a water hazard, it bounces off and ke- and goes into That's the true. fairway, and then you're just like, you four, hey, four I, I can take on the winner yeah, yeah, all day long. Have you ever played in snow? Like the I, snow was coming down? Ground was still green. Nothing heavy, though, because like yeah. once it starts to coat the green, you can't play. Yeah. But I've had where those little squalls A couple of squalls. Through. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but the, I think the worst part for me is the, the frost delays. Because uh, you end up, you know, it's just waste of time. It kind of like yeah, drags on, and you're just. Like, I understand. Up. We've talked actually before, and there's an article on Golficity. If you guys want to check it out, about all about why frost delays exist, and it's actually a very important thing. If you care at all about your golf course, you would honor the frost delays because, right. as it turns out, if you break the that grass and step on frozen grass, it actually breaks the. Uh, I guess it's like the membrane or whatever, and it will kill the grass. So. Um, I know groundskeepers are very serious. Yeah, we got all scientific in that one. We did. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Brian Sloan last week traveled to Michigan, was in the mid 30s. Only eight people on the course played by myself since no one would go with me. (laughs) (laughs) He's the only uh, trooper in his whole pack there. I like it. Here, Brandon Davis, he said, below freezing one time in North Carolina. This is what we were just talking about. He said, the ponds were frozen. The ball would skip across onto the grass. Didn't lose any balls in the pond that day. Nice. Yeah, of course. Of course. Anthony Lacasio says, uh, Black Bear. That was one of ours. But eight, this is funny. Eight years ago, it's 40 degrees, felt like 15. Pretty sure I'm still thawing out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, nothing though beats that hot shower when you're done with a yeah. round like that. You got to have yeah. that hot cup of coffee going out there. Yep. You got to have that warm shower when you're all done. Uh, but Black Bear in particular, like it gets so cold. The way it just sits down like that yep. valley mm-hmm. and just like all the frost and everything just settles down. We've did some drone work. I remember flying right. the drone and just looking at uh, across these frozen fairways. It looked- It's, it's surprising it, because it's protected by so many trees, whereas Bally Owen, the wind is just whipping. So whipping. it's way colder oh, Bally Owen. Oh, it's, it's but I find that the frost blows off a little quicker 
True. at Balion yep. versus it just sits there in that valley cold at, at Black Stinson, Bear. And the yeah. funny thing is, if you're not from you know the New Jersey area and you don't know these courses, they're only about five miles down the road from each other, but it just shows you how much that just that local topography will change the way the weather affects it. Mm-hmm. Um Let's see. Clay Ogilvy says going out in the morning, supposed to be in the mid thirties picks to come. LOL. Good. Make sure you share those picks. Um, let's see here. Uh, C Clark says I went yesterday with my father-in-law in the cold rain. Oh man. That's one thing that adds a whole other layer right. to it. When it's raining, then it really feels rain cold. Rain is rough. He says, low 50s, the rain uh, wind was, uh, was what made it cold. Worst weather I've ever played in. He goes, could have used some foot joy gear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, man, we say it all the time. Look, it, the the actual apparel. It's I think of it as golf equipment because it is what enables you to keep playing. And if you just do the right layering, like I said, I get a cold day like this, I will do a a thermal base layer. I'll do a polo, a mid layer, and then some sort of, especially if it's raining, you get the right rain jacket. We had so much fun the other day doing that hydro yep. tour and splashing mm-hmm. each other, splashing you with the buckets of water. Um, but trust me, 50 and wet is a lot different than 50 and dry. Yeah, big time. Big and time. Anybody who's ever felt one or the other knows exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Couldn't agree more. Uh, and here's the last one. Brian Sloan said last week traveled to Michigan. It was in the mid 30s. Only eight people on the. I, yeah, I just read that. Oh, one. That's the one. But no one good. would go. With I love it. Now we'll I read it again. No one would go with. No me. one would yeah. go with me. But hey, Brian, you had the course to yourself. That's true. Awesome. True enough. All right. So okay, let's uh, let's do a quick word from our sponsors here, Mike, and then I want to uh, jump into this week's topic. We're going to talk about getting out of that dreaded fried egg lie in the bunker. <laughs> We all get faced with it, man. It happens. So, guys, this episode's brought to you by ShotScope, the all-in-one GPS and stat tracking watch. Um, they are sold out. They are going to be getting more probably in the uh, first part of the year, but we did hear that there are some available. That is the V3 version with full stat tracking capability. Uh, check out places like Global Golf, Morton Golf, Golf Galaxy, golf-anytime.com. See if they have any left, guys. Check it out. But if you're new and you're listening to the show for the first time, you're saying, what is this shot scope? It offers players laser-like GPS. It's, it's, a, it's a, a watch. It sits on your wrist. It's very small. It's probably the size of a, an Apple watch. Yep. Um, it tracks every single one of your golf shots. So it's offering you that performance that feedback loads of stats for your golf game strengths weaknesses um you know you name it things like proximity to the hole fairways hit greens and regulation i can go on and on Mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of stats uh like i said sold out fast because everybody wants it it's such a great device visit shotscope.com slash golficity to order yourself arguably the best gps watch you can buy yeah and our stats episode is coming up that's right. We're coming up to the end of the year, one thing we this, like I said, the watch tracks hundreds of stats, and every year, if you're new to the podcast, we do a at the beginning of the year we do our goals for the year, and at the end of the year we do a wrap up to see what we hit. And we used to have to do that old pen and paper, right? And now it's as simple as clicking in the ShotScope app and looking up literally any stat about your game. That's it, man. If you want to know your percentage of hitting greens from the right rough, <laughs> you can find it in there. It's wild. It's, great. it's wild. I'm a right rough warrior, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. According to my r- shots, go that's dash a t-shirt. Warrior. Right rough warrior. <laughs> that's like, yeah. I got that slice. Uh, and uh, so big thanks. Check them out. Shotscope.com slash golficity. And lastly, I want to thank FootJoy. Speaking of FootJoy, and think, speaking of cold, 
the number one outerwear brand in golf. They're committed to helping you extend the golf season as long as possible this mm-hmm. year by providing the best gear to make every day playable. The new Hydro Series line of rain jackets includes several options that provide the ultimate protection wherever you're teeing up this fall or winter. Yeah. Uh, so whether it's the Hydro Light, ooh, love that jacket, or the perfect lightweight, it's a perfect lightweight um, summer rain jacket for golf in Florida, Arizona. You got the Hydro Knit, which protects you uh, like a rain jacket, but feels like a mid-layer for places like California or even the yeah. Carolinas. Uh, and then they also um, have that Hydro Tour. You know, we, we had some fun with that rain jacket. That's designed to withstand the most extreme weather conditions, as yeah. I've been put through that. <laughs> you have been put through that. So I can agree with One that. One gallon of water at a time. Yeah, that's it, man. Uh, so guys, check out the full lineup of the Hydro Series from FootJoy, and uh, you can visit footjoy.com slash M-E-D-P for Make Every Day Playable. And undoubtedly, you'll hear us talking a lot more about that stuff as we roll into those winter and, and fall months as we are playing more. But I think the best part about it is it's so modular. Like that Hydro Tour, for example, it's breathable. So if you are playing on a hot day with rain, you can wear it. But if it's a cold day, all you need to do, you pair that up with a nice base layer, a warm thermal base layer, and you've got the warmth and the waterproof. It's, yeah, it's, so it's just really about it. being making a couple smart decisions, and you're, you're really comfortable out there. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about today's topic. And I know we've talked before about fried eggs a little bit. Um, talking about breakfast. I'm starving, right? Now I'm getting even hungry. Breakfast, (laughs) but uh, we've talked about this fried egg lie before on the podcast. It's been quite some time, and if you're new to the show, um, one thing big thing to understand is that we are not professional golfers. We are not instructors. We're just guys who love learning the game and sharing that experience. So sometimes it's smart to revisit certain topics because as the years go by, there's chances we've learned more and we've had chance to try more things. So we've been no doubt faced with this, this lie, the fried egg lie. In fact, in my mind, I'm right now playing over the highlight reel of some of our videos and I'm already thinking of your lie. um, Mansion Ridge. Mansion Ridge, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yep. That was the epitome of a fried egg. I yeah. mean, it was picture perfect. Um, but it, it's a frustrating lie. But the reality is, you're going to be faced with it from time to time. And there's different things that are going to create it, uh, sand conditions, stuff like that. But first thing is, for any of our newer listeners, newer to the game who might not know, I think it's smart to just kind of define it. Um, and the reason it's called a fried egg is because that's really what it resembles. And what this is, is it's it's when the ball comes into the, uh, the sand and splashes it and kind of just stays put. It doesn't roll around. And what you end up with is a crater of sand with a ball lying right in the middle of it. And why this can be so difficult is because there becomes to a point where there's really no room behind the ball to get your club flushly on the ball. You absolutely have to make sand contact. Um, The ball is not sitting up in any way. It is surrounded on all edges by just kind of this wall of sand because it's just set down in there. And we get this, especially with, like I said, that fluffier sand. And we're going to talk about some other uh, ways this happens because sometimes one of the best things you can do is learn to avoid it happening in the first place. So we are going to talk about how you can get out of this lie because inevitably you can try the best course management and try to avoid things. Things happen, right? Mistakes Mm -hmm. happen. It happens. Uh, But just a little bit of an ounce of prevention, so to speak. And there are things you can do to change up your, your course strategy that will help you to avoid this happening, have it happen a little bit less. Right. But that's what it is. If, If you've got a fried egg, 
and it, it you know it, it's just it's sitting there it's surrounded and it's kind of buried and you just realize that the only way to get this thing up and out is to not only just hit that ball but a whole lot of that sand with it yeah i mean that's my take on a fried egg without reading this going through this yet is just swing as hard as i can right close my eyes and pray <laughs> right and you know most times it works but you know like you said we're faced with this a lot because most greens are surrounded by bunkers we're approaching these greens at 100 whatever in with this high trajectory yes. wedge mm -hmm. and we're missing a lot of greens because we're amateurs we're not pros and as a result we're landing in this bunker and if we're coming in high and hard we're going down deep like a fried egg exactly so this is going to happen to a lot of us and what you said is so true we're going to talk about that in a minute having to commit because at the end of the day it is going to take a lot of force to get this thing up and out and god forbid you're faced with a really high lip and yeah. you've got to really get it out sometimes you're lucky that it's, it's not you don't have to lift it too far or carry it too far but the higher you got to hit that ball or the further you got to carry it man the harder you got to hit it yeah for sure so it's because you got as you can imagine hitting that sand is going to really shave a lot of swing speed off, which we'll talk about in a second. And, and like, you know, not every bunker, not every green time bunker is the same. I mean, remember those tall bunkers at Hamilton Farms? Oh my God. If you had a fried egg there, you were done. 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 Some of the tallest bunkers I've ever seen yeah. at Hamilton Farms recently. I mean, literally, you'd be standing in them and there would be another five feet above your head. Above your head. You couldn't even jump up to see the flagstick. No, no. You had to come back out of the bunker <laughs> to see the flagstick or have the caddy give you a direction. Right. Um, but again, we want to talk about firstly of trying to avoid the situation. How can you avoid this? And it comes down to like anything with golf. It really comes down to physics in a way of realizing how does it happen in order for a fried egg lie to happen. You really need to get it coming in as Mike was saying at a very high trajectory and coming down more or less straight. Um, because if it comes down straight, that's where you're going to get that situation where it just, poof, just plugs and creates that crater. Um, yes, it could, you know, blade one into the side and have it wedge into the oh. side of a, of a, <laughs> of a bunker and create kind of a fried egg, but that's a little bit of a different scenario. I mean, that's just deadly when that does happen. But for the most part, most fried eggs happen because you get that ball way up in the air coming down really steep and fast. And then it, it just kind of plugs there. Um, so what can you do to kind of avoid it? First thing, as Mike was saying, careful on your short wedges when we are doing those full swing wedge shots from about a hundred yards out which to me is my 52 degree wedge you probably play your 60 at that distance mm -hmm. 60 56 um, yep but if you do that you're going to get that ball you got to know you're going to get that ball way high in the air uh and then it's going to come down steep and when that does that's going to be riskier because that is the recipe that we were talking about to create the fried egg so if you're playing that hundred yard high up wedge shot now's the time to make a little bit of a smarter you know, decision with your target. So if you're going after a pin that's tucked, you know, right next to a green side bunker, you might want to air a little bit on the side of, of, of more green, aiming a little bit more for middle of green, because I would take all day long, a much longer putt than a fried egg in a green side. Right, because you don't know where that fried egg shot's going to go. Exactly. Right. You're going to be lucky if you can get it up and down from there. Correct. Very fortunate. Versus if you aim for a fatter part of the green, and you can two putt it, mm -hmm. you know, you're ahead of the game. Right. Cause you might have two bunker shots if you're fried. Friday, you, you could have to easily. You could not get out. You could fly across the bunker yep. at the other one. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things that can go wrong. It even happens to the pros at the highest level. Um, another thing would be watching out going into the wind. Into the wind is going to start create a similar scenario. So if you're hitting into the wind, what's going to happen is that wind is going to kind of, you know, put pump the brakes on the ball in the air, kind of like hitting a wall and cause it to drop down to the steeper 
uh, angle. So similarly, if you need to play either a high shot or you're playing into the wind, those are the two times to adjust that on-course strategy and pick a target that's a little bit smarter, something a fatter part of the green. Be less afraid of the long first lag putt than you normally would be when the green is protected by bunkers because realizing that those are the things that are going to cause, if you do hit the bunker, chances are it's going to be one of those really difficult oh, lies. Yeah. You know, you, no matter how good your bunker game is, you know, this is the one where you're going to have a little bit of a di difficult lie. So that being said, now let's just say it happens no matter what, no matter what planning you do, it's going to happen. So how do you get out? And I mean, talk us through your, what you did on that hole. Uh, when you had when you were faced with it at Mansion Ridge, it gets steep. You just come down, and you know I just remember I got it out. I even flew yeah. it pretty nicely, and I gave myself a putt. Um, is that the the lie in the picture here? That's that the picture. That's the lie. That's Jeez, the picture. I'm just getting flashbacks here so if, if you guys go to the the show notes we'll link to this but the article we're referencing we actually took a picture of it because it was picture perfect it was this was the picture of mike's lie before he and you can see the little g green g on the ball right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he got it out of there i got so. it out so it was a nice deep swing hard just like i was taking a uh you know like i said close my eyes and pray and luckily the thing popped up and came out i mean there's no strategy there for me it's just Close your eyes and pray. Yeah. Well, listen. The thing, the fact is, you are applying some of the strategies we're going to talk about here. Just maybe even half consciously, half exactly. unconsciously. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, you're right. You got to take a steeper swing um, because if you don't come in and make that steeper contact, because remember that ball all behind it is surrounded by by sand. You want to hit as little of that sand as possible because at the end of the day, that sand is going to shave off so much swing speed. Think about it when. When they want to stop bullets, right? What do they do? They put sandbags up. Sand right. sand is something that absorbs a ton of impact, yep. right? So it's going to do the same thing with your club. If you hit that sand, your club is just going to go from like 100 miles an hour to, to 50 in, 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 in a yeah. millisecond. So by coming in steeper, you're hitting more ball and less sand. Um, so a couple things you can do to kind of accomplish that. Uh, one thing would be to set your wrists a little bit earlier. Right. So mm -hmm. you can come in steeper and do that release a little bit later. Another thing you can do kind of as a simple setup change, just move that ball a little bit further back in your stance, which will mean that you'll just be bottoming out of that. That's the bottom of your swing will be more closer to the ball. Yep. Right. So moving it a little bit back, um, you can even choke down slightly. Oh, but but uh, the main thing is visualize instead of this kind of a long swooping that's going to hit a lot of sand a steeper just kind of like popping impactful one uh remember we saw zach radford do this where he did the the, the pop, pop and up. recoil yeah the recoil right? shot and which you we, don't want to try on a regular basis <laughs> yeah. that's for sure uh but it proved a point uh, of saying how steep and aggressive you want to just kind of come in on that ball right. just chopping like a karate chop you know think of it like that if you were to karate chop it versus this long scooping thing like that. So that can be really important. And this second point here, Mike, is I think really speaks to exactly what you were saying. Close your eyes and pray. Yeah, just commit. Another right? way to say that is make a full commitment. Um, you really can't go into this thing with doubts and wow, is it often a recipe for doubts, especially when on the other side of that green, there's another bunker, there's water, there's things that you're concerned with it coming out too hot. But the reality is it is going to take quite a bit of force to come out of a lie like this. So if any of those things cause a mental hesitation and a lack of commitment, there's a very good chance you're not going to hit that ball with enough force right. and it's not going to make its way out of the bunker. Absolutely right, man. You got to commit. You have to. If you got that water on the other side of the, the green, I don't know, what do you do? Just open the club face a little bit more? 
Well, we're going to talk about why okay. you don't want to open the club face right. in this case. Now, okay. that being said, a lot most bunker shots, yes, and that's what I do all the time. You open that club face because you want more loft. However, here you're going to change that because you need that leading edge, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second here. Uh -huh. uh, but okay. I, I want to... I want to leave that as our, our last point because I think it's the most important point. Um, but either way, make sure you're committed and then also take some time on that backswing, making sure that you're do going through the proper motions. I think anytime that more stress, uh, more pressure comes in, that is when we often abbreviate things. We abbreviate our pre-shot routine. We abbreviate uh, taking our time and setting up properly in our backswing because we just want the shot to be over. Yeah, we want to be done with that. We just want to mm -hmm. be done and out of there. But what that happens is if you just try to get too short of a backswing or you cut it short, you can rush it. You can just, you, you really, in this case, you need to be able to make that solid contact. So take that full backswing, give you know the space the club needs to really get up to speed because like I said, you are going to need speed here. Especially the more sand that is built up around the edges of that ball, the more speed you're going to need to pop it out. So take your time, get that full committed backswing, and then commit to the downswing coming through. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's a tricky shot. And you, we watch the pros on TV and say a greenside bunker with a regular lie. They hit it with such soft finesse. Yeah. They lift the ball up onto the green. They're not swinging like cavemen. I mean, obviously, it's not a plugged lie. Yeah. Watch them. Maybe YouTube, a PGA Tour pro in a fried leg lie. Yeah. Just watch how they do it as well. But I've always said this, PGA Tour pros are so sneaky fast. Mm -hmm. It always looks like they're swinging slow. Look at Fred Couples, right? Yeah. It looks like they're, but the reality is two things. Their tempo is so good that the perception is that it's slow. And the second thing is that they build speed at just the right moment. That's it. When we say we're swinging like a caveman, often it's that we're ripping the ripping club back. back. And then at the transition of the top, we're ripping it down. Whereas these guys will build, as we're saying here, build speed and they're holding out tons of lag and they release all that speed at the right moment. So trust me, they are putting a ton of force on that ball, but you just don't see it. It looks smooth as butter because they've done it at the right time with the right tempo. That's it, man. But at the end of the day, they're not baby in that ball they're powering it out of there as well so let's just talk about that last thing with the club face i think the tendency often is for any greenside lie we want to open up that we take our most lofted club for me it's my 60 and we open it up to get even more loft to get it up and out now if you've got a decent lie in the bunker that is 100 the play however here you don't, you're not looking to maximize loft so much as you're looking to have that leading edge. So as you open it up, you kind of take some of that leading edge away. And here's where you rely on things like bounce and grind that we've talked about extensively uh, in past episodes. But these are where those parts of the club really come into play. So don't open the face in this case. Keep that that face square as you would hitting it, you know, from the fairway or anywhere else. Um, but what you want to really do is here is use the leading edge of the club to slice through that sand. Yeah. And that's going to act as kind of a knife that just kind of slices through it. Plus, you are going to need, like I said, a little bit more of that force. And tends to be when that club face is open, it's more of that finesse shot of popping it up where you can get clean contact on the ball. But here you can't. You need that nice powerful leading edge to power through that sand. Uh, and that's what's going to really give you that dig you need. If you open it up and then you have the bottom of the club, it's going to kind of bounce off the sand. You're cre actually creating more bounce and that won't dig in the way you need it to do. And that often is what results in 
a bladed shot out That's of that it, lie yeah. because you get that you can create a ton of bounce and then you just kind of like you slide instead of digging and you just you catch the middle of that ball and it just shoots right into the wall of the bunker or oh, something yeah. like that. Been there. And that's a disaster. Mm-hmm. So just keep that leading edge nice and square, commit to the shot, come in at it steep and just pop it and power it out of there as much as you can. I love it. And like anything we talk about here on the podcast, practice is important. If you get the opportunity to practice and I do understand that there are not a lot of practice facilities accessible for practice facilities with good sand, but hey man, you could go to the beach. Go to the beach. Go to the beach and practice. Bring the a bucket. Shot. You know, get some heavy sand there and just throw a couple of balls down. You know, fried egg lies and just work on what it feels like. Now I know the beach sand is going to be a little bit of a different sand, but at least understanding what it feels like to use that leading edge to dig in and pop that ball out. Yeah, I got images of Kramer on the beach. Right yeah, now, as you're saying this, uh, but we should try it. Let's go. <laughs> and hey, we're yeah, we're giving you a nice excuse to go to the beach. Exactly. Get to the beach. So seeing that fried egg, it's never going to be good news. It's never going to be something that's going to excite you but i think if you go into it with the right approach a from a course management strategy standpoint you're going to avoid it more often by following those kind of tips we talked about but b by knowing it and by understanding how to get it out you're going to have a higher success rate you just can't beat yourself up those couple times when it just doesn't get out look at the end of the day golf courses are designed to beat up on us and you're going to get a couple that it takes you two shots to get out yeah it's unfortunate but rather than turning into a blow up hole and getting frustrated and starting to slap at the ball and now it's five shots to get out if it does if you don't get the ball out the good news is chances of it frying again are very slim most likely the second time because it's not traveling as fast or as high the ball is going to be sitting up a little bit nicer take a second step out of the bunker recompose yourself go back through your pre-shot routine and then get in there and hit the ball and, and get on the green i can't tell you any time that i've ever recomposed and readjusted settle down calm down after that i just go right back and hit it and it's a problem <laughs> it's a problem. most amateurs do as well they don't they don't we see a, again i keep i keep talking about the pga pros we're not pros i know that but you can learn from them i was just about to say take your own your own example of watching the pga tour and you they will learn. they will come back and they might even switch clubs like that wasn't the right club give me something else i have a different line now right treat it as a whole nother shot whereas we're just like oh let's try it again here it comes heads up you know so right. so totally take, take a page of their playbook pretend like you're like them and you're playing for every shot is fifty thousand dollars right mm-hmm. and then you'd be like okay yeah. i will take my time and, and re- readdress this exactly but it's important but again like we say every week if you guys have any of your own tips if you've got even if you've got a picture or a funny thing you want to share with us of, of your own friday lie um Post it in the Facebook group. Uh, our Facebook group is, is free. It's a great community of podcast listeners, and we we talk each week about different things that we face out there on the golf course. It's a great place to do it. You can post a comment. You can tweet at us. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with us, but we love to to see some of your own input on this. And if you've got your, some of your own suggestions, let us know. Otherwise, you can get to the show notes by going to golfissy.com slash episode 349. Uh, happy Masters Sunday, everybody, and we'll see you again next week. 